Coming up on today's Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, it's a mailbag edition. We take your questions, talking plenty of Hawkeye and some basketball. Basketball wrapping up Big Ten Basketball Media Days up in Minneapolis. Some thoughts on hoops and apparently a coach is upset with the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. We'll tell you about that as we get started here. This is Locked On Hawkeyes. Our Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Trent Condon, and this is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. We're available on all the podcast platforms that you can find. And, of course, we're also available on YouTube. Just search Locked On Hawkeyes while you're there. If you can, uh, click the subscribe button. We would greatly appreciate it and certainly helps us as what we're trying to do here on the Locked On Network. I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. So plenty to get into here today. It is another mailbag edition here of the podcast. We're going to be taking some uh, questions people post to me on Twitter, uh, message boards, a couple of different places. So opportunity to hear your questions. Keep an eye out on our Twitter account, either Lockdown Iowa or myself personally at Trent Condon. And uh, you can send your questions to me as we'll try to do this. If not on a weekly basis, certainly uh, we'll do it on a bi-weekly basis. And had a lot of fun with it. Got some fun ones here this week, and we got plenty to talk about here today. So let's get started, and uh, let's jump right in. You know, we as we go deeper and deeper into things, Jason's going to be joining me later into the week. A lot of basketball talk I want to be talking about here with the bye week But I know the conversation that continues to dominate, and I'm sure it's the same thing at the water cooler talking with your buddies, whatever it may be, and it is this Iowa offense and just how bad it is. Plenty of questions about that, and we're going to get into them uh, here today. Going to start things out with uh, some Twitter questions. First from Andrew Barber. He asks, how would you attempt to fix the offense? And really, ultimately, that's a million-dollar question, right? I mean, how you do that or $900,000 question. Brian Ferentz is the offensive coordinator and what he makes a year. So how do you fix it? For the here and now, not looking big picture, not looking at the future and, and bringing in an offensive coordinator that knows how to coordinate an offense and has some semblance of what he's trying to do and, and regating some semblance of a game plan, you know, some identity for Iowa football on the offensive side of the football. It's been lost and it goes from something that's never been great outside of 2002 under Kirk Ferentz, but it has become a laughing stock. And, and that's the frustrating aspect about this is we're looking at the end of the Kirk Ferentz tenure and it's becoming a joke. And it's a joke that is not going to go away quickly. You think of the end of the Hayden Fry era and how quickly that ended. And Hayden was, of course, sick at the end in 1998 in his final season. And he walked away. What was left on his contract at that time? In fact, that might be a little research project I need to work on for Stat Boy to see what was remaining on that contract. Well, we know it wasn't $42 million. And that's what's currently owed to Kirk Ferentz. It was a completely different era, a completely different time. And now, because of Gary Barta, working against himself and nobody else was bidding against him and just kept driving up that price further and further and the buyout making it more and more untenable. We're in the spot that we're in right now. So how do you fix it? Not big picture, looking small. Andrew, one thing that I, I would certainly start with here 
it's the simplest thing, but it is a quarterback. You have a quarterback that a year ago won football games for you. We had a quarterback a year ago, though statistically, if you just look at the raw stats, we're not very good. Look at the number of drops he had, both in the Minnesota game and the Illinois game. This is a guy that has played at a high level, has won football games for you before, and most importantly, before behind a bad offensive line and a running game that has never been able to get going this year, this is a guy that can make plays with his legs. There's some athleticism. He is not a statue in the pocket that you have. I would start right there. But, well, we know six games in, that is not a button that they've even been willing to push, even for a drive, even a series. It just, it's absolutely incredible. I would start right there. And with it, that means moving the pocket, getting Padilla out of the pocket. That is something that you could help alleviate an offensive line that is really struggling. You're also going to have to go and you're going to have to do more quick hitters. And it's going to have to be those plays where you're just going inside. I mean, the old dive plays, very quick, very simple double team on the guy in the middle and you go out there and get four or five yards and make those second and manageables that I was just struggled with so many times this year. And when it's second and long, how many times have we seen? You have to get away from the predictability too. This, this offense outside of the dumb play calls, and there's been plenty of those that don't make a whole lot of sense. We talked about so many of them in the Illinois game from the reverse play to missed opportunity rolling out to the left, something that Spencer Petrus has been bad at for three years. And yet they continue to do it at a wide open touchdown and he can't get the football out. out. Those kind of things. There's not a whole lot of answers. And that's the frustrating part about that. There isn't anything that is just a simple fix. I started quarterback though. That's where I would go from Andrew. Hawkeye lover 69. Nice. Uh, why is the offensive line all underclassmen? So as we saw the injury to Nick DeYoung, going into the game against Illinois. It was all sophomores that were out there starting. And, and this comes down very simply to recruiting and a whole lot of recruiting misses. Now, some of this is bad luck. That's going to happen. But you go back to the class of B seniors right now. One of those guys, Cody Ince. I thought he was on his way to having a very good career. Maybe he was going to be a guy that was going to have an opportunity to play at the next level. He played. He developed. It looked like he was on the right path. And then injuries derailed his career. Another guy, Jeff Jenkins, who had good accolades coming in. Those should be your senior anchors right now. Jenkins on the inside, Ince on the outside. Those should be two guys as seniors that you'd be hoping would be going. Well, they didn't happen. They're not currently with the team. So you go to the following season then in 2019. These are, again, guys that should be upperclassmen. Ezra Miller, talented guy, looked like he had a chance right away. He's over at Nebraska right now in injuries. And Potentially other things derailed what looked to be a very promising career for him. Tyler Endress, it's never worked. Kid from out of Norwalk. Noah Fenske uh, from New Hampton. He's now playing at Colorado. And uh, finally, out of that group, Justin Britt, who is out for the season with an injury. So now you're talking about six offensive linemen. Six should be upperclassmen here. There's always going to be attrition. There's going to be things that happen. But of those six guys, none of them even giving you any semblance of anything. I mean, that is a huge, huge hole for anybody to have to go through. You go to the 2020 class then, they brought in two offensive linemen, uh, Josh Volk, he has never hit, and Tyler Ellsbury, who we're finally seeing a little bit, was not very good on Saturday night against Illinois. We've seen glimpses from him, but he's also just getting some experience. So that's where they are right now, and it's that off, young offensive line. In the past, some of those walk-ons that have hit, those guys that have turned out to be good players, they haven't at the same level. You talk about Nick DeYoung. As a guy, I'm sure that they anticipated that they could mold into another one of the players that developed some of the time. He's an upperclassman, 
he's a good player. He's a Big Ten starter for it. You feel confident about that. That certainly has not been the case for DeYoung. So that's how it is right now. And attrition, you certainly look back to the 2018 and the 2019 classes, a lot of misses out of the recruiting ranks on that one. Now that from, uh, let's go next. Uh, this from Zona Clone. Hey, we got a Cyclone fan checking in. Overrunner wins for Iowa and Iowa State the rest of the season. So both teams currently sitting at three victories. Both had difficult losses on Saturday night. 10-9 for Iowa State to K-State. And of course, the 9-6 loss for the Hawkeyes. Now for Iowa right now, I wouldn't even make it two and a half. So in betting parlance, you want to put the hook in there just because you don't want to push. If you're a bookmaker, you don't want to be paying money out for a tie. You don't want to be doing that. You want to put the hook on there. But is anybody confident to taking the over of two and a half? That means they have to win three games or more the rest of the way. We know they're not beating Ohio State, right? Okay, they'll beat Nebraska. They'll beat Northwestern. What else are you confident with? Wisconsin? Purdue? Absolutely not. Minnesota? On the road? I just can't go that direction. It's not good bookmaking for our purposes, but I would make it a flat two for Iowa the rest of the way and ultimately maybe paying back some money as it would end up being a push if it lands a right on that number. Heck, I, I would be maybe even more willing to put it at one and a half as opposed to two and a half right now. I just, I'm struggling with this team and I don't think a bye week is going to cure uh, what kind of ills that they have. For Iowa State, a little bit different for the Cyclones. The Big 12 is so much fun. And I mentioned this on my radio show yesterday. So we, uh, Everybody knows on the radio, I, I don't hide it. I'm a Hawkeye fan. Yeah, play it down the middle, all that stuff. Nah, I don't. I'm a Hawkeye fan. Am, am I harder in Iowa than Iowa State? I believe I am many times. Do I make excuses for the Hawkeyes also? Eh, maybe that happens from time to time, and that can come across. But with the Iowa State and the Big 12 as a whole, I found myself here the last couple of weeks just because in the past, you know, Illinois and Minnesota are getting together. I'm right there. You got a matchup with Wisconsin, and they're taking on a Nebraska team. I'm there. The Big Ten West is so bad this year. I just I can't even watch it anymore. I found myself watching a whole lot more Iowa State this season. Now, they got Texas this week, and, and Ewers, what he looked like last week, that is incredibly scary. You get that broken Oklahoma team after that. There's a possibility of a very good win. West Virginia, erratic this year. We're a pretty good team. Oklahoma State on the road, that game always comes down to the wire with the Cowboys and the Cyclones, at least in recent history since Campbell's got there. Texas Tech, they got a talented new quarterback that I thought was really good before he got banged up, was playing injured late in the game against Oklahoma State. And then TCU, I mean, you looked at the schedule before the year and you're saying, oh, West Virginia and Texas Tech and TCU, oh, those are all going to be victories. Now, I'm not so sure. In fact, I'd feel more confident putting that two and a half number on Iowa State than I would certainly Iowa at this point in time. Thanks for the question there from Zona Clone. Let's continue here with your Twitter questions here on a mailbag edition of the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast with Trent Condon. Uh, this is from Ranger T. Most realistic outcome for the rest of the season. I think it's I think it's not getting to a bowl game. It's going to be missing a bowl game. That that is the most realistic expectation that I have for this team. It is so difficult to come together. This is the worst offense in the country. We've gone through it a whole bunch of times, but but that's where we are. And, and my most realistic expectation is I was going to be home for the holidays for the first time since, what, 2014? Oh, we're going back a ways the last time that happened. Some questions from Twitter. Let's jump over to our buddies over at Halo. Uh, this is from Alan Lomax. They have attempted 17 screen passes, completed 15 of them. That's good. 15 to 17 on screen passes for a grand total of 19 yards. Now, Alan, that can't be right. If that's right, good God, 
How is this possible unless your play caller, play caller, excuse me, is a complete dumbass? Well, I don't know. I want to say it was Bill Belichick. I remember this from years ago. It was about maybe a decade ago. And I think it was Kirk maybe reeling the the story that Bill Belichick basically said with the college rules, he just runs screen passes all day long. I mean, he would just do it, you know, 50% of his plays would be screen plays just because of the ability that you have. Here's the problem with the Iowa screen game. When you have no deep threat, when you don't take shots down the field, when everything is so compressed within 10, 12 yards of the line of scrimmage, screen plays aren't going to work because everybody's up there already. It's very easy to sniff out. And can you see when a screen's coming when I was playing? Because I feel like I can. Look, I'm just some nerd that played junior high football in Osage. Like, I, I have no real background of football outside of watching hours and hours of it weekend after weekend since I was a little kid, right? I, I am not, but I will tell you, it feels like you can sniff those things out a mile away. If those numbers are right, again, 17 screen passes, completed 15 for 19 yards. Oh, good God. Got to work on that, Brian. Something to do. Buffet Hawk, are you aware Iowa won 10 games last year? Yes or no? Uh, yes, yes, I am. Thank you. Uh, Kirk also made sure to relay that to David Eichholt in just a terrible moment. Moment, If you if you heard the Instant Reaction podcast from uh, early Sunday morning, go back and, and listen to that as I, I went down that road. Just a, a tar- terrible, awful look for, for Kirk Ferentz. You know, another one that we haven't talked about from that press conference after the loss to Illinois was Kirk talking about, the question was asked very simply, who was the penalty on when there was a assistant coach that was hit with the personal foul? And he wouldn't answer it. He wouldn't answer it because it was Brian. If it was anybody else, A, the question probably wouldn't be asked. Let's be honest here. Look, if it was Phil Parker that got it, we all can see it. And we also ultimately could see that it was Brian, but he wouldn't even answer the question. He wouldn't answer it. This is, again, the nepotism thing. And you get to this level where you are doing everything possible to protect your son. After the penalty, the number's called. Luke Lachey was hit with the personal foul there. It was a garbage call, but he was hit with the personal foul on that one. And they named his number. Yet Kirk cannot say his son was the one that got the personal foul. A guy making over $900,000 a year to be the worst offensive coordinator in football, and he can't say his name? Come on, grow up, Kirk. That's bad luck. A couple of bad looks in that press conference. And yes, Buffet Hawk, I am aware they won 10 games. I'm also aware that they were blown out in three of their four losses, and the other one was another despicable effort and one that they let get away against a Kentucky team that was walking wounded out there and certainly did not have their full complement of players. Top three potential head coach candidates at this point for 2023. That's from Hawk and Balls. Uh, number one, Kirk Ferentz. Second on that list, Kirk Ferentz. Three is Kirk Ferentz. 2023, it's going to be Kirk Ferentz. He isn't going anywhere unless unless he walks away. If Brian is told that he has to be fired by his boss, yeah, we know that's true, and Gary Barta. Unless that really happens, that's the only way. It's going to be Kirk Ferentz next year. It's fun to speculate about. It's fun to think about the future, what it could be, but we know it's Kirk Ferentz. And I don't want to force out Kirk Ferentz. That's not what this is at all. There's some bad looks. They're thinking about the end of the time for some of the greats in college football. And though Kirk Ferentz is not in the likes of a Paterno, a Bowden, in terms of wins and losses, a very successful career, obviously, at the University of Iowa. I'm not pushing him out by any means, and I don't want to see that. I want to see him fix this. I want to see him 
actually bet on himself and get it done. I just don't know if that's a realistic possibility. More questions here on a mailbag edition of the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Debit, also known as Chad, uh, what do you believe Iowa's record would be at this point had Alex Padilla taken every snap this season? Five and one. I don't think there's any doubt. I would be five and one with Alex Padilla. Again, I don't think Alex Padilla is a great college quarterback, but he's better than what we've seen this season. And and you also think about this. If if they went into last offseason and they made this a true open competition, they went through the spring and it was an open competition. And Alex Padilla had a real opportunity, not the fake one that we were told, oh yeah, this is open. And it wasn't. I mean, that was a bunch of garbage. A true competition where Alex Padilla had a shot at this one. I believe as a starter, as a guy in August camp, as a guy getting all the reps throughout August. Remember, he was thrust in there after hardly playing at all during his career. After the injury to Petrus, came in against Northwestern, looked very good. Had moments against Illinois. And then the Minnesota game, I mean, he made the big throw to Charlie Jones that ended up being the game clincher. He's made plays. How about this? Over the last 14 games, we talked about this a lot. Alex Padilla is a starter, 4-0. Spencer Petrus, 3-7. I think I was 5-1 right now with Alex Padilla as a starting quarterback. Instead, the 3-3. Three and three. You are what your record says you are. Same question about Joey Labus. Here's the thing about Joey Labus. I know we heard a lot last year. Here's a baffling thing. So we heard a lot last year as he was running the scout team, right? He was every single week coming up with the the team putting together the game plan of that they're going to see this week. And we heard how great he was running that system. Maybe the reason it was great is because everybody else runs a better system offensively than Iowa. Does that make sense? Maybe. Here's one thing I heard about Joey Labus. So my uh, future brother-in-law lives in Ohio, went to Ohio State. He's a Buckeye grad, and he's going to be chirping for the next week and a half, and then certainly after the game, a week from Saturday. But he's got some buddies that were high school coaches out there and said they were surprised when Iowa offered Joey Labus. We'll see. We'll see if Iowa maybe got a diamond in the rough here. But there are at least some high school coaches that were out there didn't think he was a Big Ten-level quarterback, at least at that time, at the high school level. Again, these are just a couple of high school coaches' opinions. Opinions are not worth a whole lot. Everybody's got one, right? But that's what it is. Something to think about. At least one thing that I would think about when I hear Labus, and we'll see on that front. Uh, from Geese. Yo, Trent, what's your gut telling on Keegan's future at Iowa? All right. So Geese is being a little bit of a smart ass here. But uh, last spring, after the season concluded, and Keegan, of course, uh, went into the draft process. And the other question, oh, Oh, we're talking about a different Keegan. Oh, I see what you're doing here, Geese. All right, I, I got you. Keegan Johnson, everything that I've heard is that it's over. That his dime, certainly this season, is done. There was some frustration about maybe practice habits, how hard he was willing to push himself as he was working his way back from injury. Was he taking off more time that they wanted to see? That was something that was always murmured in hushed tone. So that's at least what I have heard. But they're saying all the right things. He's still being a good teammate. Arlen Bruce has talked about him a couple of times. They're roommates and, of course, came in in the same class together. They're at the same position. So, again, just something that has been rumbling out there that, at least for this year and maybe for the future, that Keegan Johnson, his career is over. I hope that's not right because I would just get so few playmakers like him. He can be a big difference maker on this team. You hope. That all that is just that. It's just rumors, and it's just speculation, and he's able to go out there. And maybe after a bye week, he's able to go out there and help against Ohio State because, oh, boy, 
they need him in a big time way. This is the mailbag edition of the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. We're going to take a quick time out. We're going to continue on the other side. Lots more to get to. Still more of your questions. We're going to talk some basketball. Big Ten basketball media days wrapping up uh, yesterday. We'll, we'll get into that. And also, block on Twitter. Your boy. Well, at least the Lockdown Iowa account was blocked by a member of the Iowa staff. That's all to come here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. So, uh, guys, I have a small business. I have an LLC that I run. I do some hiring for it, and it's something that can be incredibly concerning. You, you want to make the right hire, right? You want to do it correctly. You want to find the best qualified candidates. That's why you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Very easy. Just go on there. Go online to LinkedIn Jobs. Put up your job. The purple hiring frame will go around it in your LinkedIn profile. It'll spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and ultimately who you'd like to hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockdown college. That's linkedin.com slash lockdown college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Trent Cotta back with you on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast, a mailbag edition as we're going through your questions. We'll continue to do this here in the coming weeks and going to be needing a lot of your questions next week, obviously, with the bye week in front of us. Uh, this is from Full Money, Bigger DA. Now, we're going to jump past that one. Kamala, is Gary Barta violating state law by not adequately supervising private parents? <laughs> That's a good one. I like that one. All right, Kamala. Uh, no, I don't believe he is violating state law by not adequately supervising Brian Ferris. But well, what do those meetings have to be like at this point in time, right? I mean, not a whole lot into it. You think it's a weekly meeting? What, what kind of checks and balances are in place for this? Is Gary Barta, does, does he know the X's and O's? Does he know why this offense is 131st in the country? Interesting how they got around the nep nepotism rules and where we are right now. Pippiopi, where would Brian Ferentz be employed and what would his salary be at this moment if Kirk Ferentz was not his father? All right, we're getting a little personal here. I, manager of a quiz knows? I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Our salary would not certainly be $900,000 a year. Uh, Pippiopi's got a couple more questions. You know, one thing that is interesting, he talks about Spencer Petras. It, we talked about the lack of athleticism that he has and, and some of the struggles. <coughs> Excuse me for a moment. He's, he's not an athletic quarterback. I mean, I'm not saying anything out of school, right? We can all see that. But he also says he's also virtually indestructible. And isn't it crazy? I mean, the way that he popped up after getting laid out there, it wasn't helmet to helmet, wasn't targeting, but that play against Illinois, well, that guy has taken some hits and he has popped up. That's crazy for a guy with the lack of athleticism that he has. He does feel, like he said, virtually indestructible. Uh, good point there. Uh, let's see. Uh, continuing on, a few more from Pippi Opie. Let's see. What else has he got here? Um, talking about firing Brian, a lot of that. Uh, geese, we got geese here. Most unlikely breakout player to look out for on a, not the most likely breakout player because 
that would be, well, Keegan Johnson if he's out there on the field, right? A continued emergence of a Luke Lachey. Those are some names he had put. I've said since week two that Caleb Johnson is the only game breaker that you have on this offense and I need to find a way to get him more involved. Who would be the most unlikely? Who would make you jaw drop on the ground if all of a sudden he became a gr- breakout player? Whatever position it is. Right now, we've talked about Petrus enough. Uh, that would be one if all of a sudden he turned into you know, a top five quarterback in the Big Ten. I would be absolutely shocked if that happened. How about Alec Wick? If Alec Wick all of a sudden is going out there and catching eight balls a week and, and 110 yards, yeah, that, that would be one that I think I'd fall out of my chair if that was going to happen, at least of the guys that are currently playing and, and getting some snaps out there from time to time. So a lot of good questions there, a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to finish up here with some basketball and also going to let you in. Send out a tweet. Didn't think it was that big of a deal, but apparently coaches didn't think the same. That's as we continue on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you're depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor, delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Your new favorite cookie dough chunk puffs have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, covered in 100% real chocolate. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories and have 15 grams of protein in them. Go to Built.com and snag a box for you and the family. It'll be the perfect treat, or you can find a good hiding spot for it and hoard them for yourself. Like all Built Bars, new cookie dough chunk puff is covered in 100% real chocolate, healthy and tasty chocolate-covered cookie dough with a light, fluffy texture. They are oh so good. What's great about Built is all their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. You're going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff. Whether you need a snack or your workout, a late-night treat, or just a quick bite to eat, Built is the perfect protein bar. They taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a Built Bar. Go to built.com, use promo code locked on 15 and get 15% off your order. Again, promo code locked on 15. Trent kind of back with you one final time. We wrap up with some basketball before that. I sent out today what I thought was a pretty innoc- innocuous uh, tweet from the Locked On Hawkeyes uh, account. Locked On Iowa officially is what it is, but you can find it both places. So Tyler Barnes, the uh, director of recruiting for the uh, team linebacker coach. He's uh, He's been around for a while. Another employee that has a relationship, a family relationship with Kirk Ferentz. Uh, his quote, his tweet was this, a smooth sea never made a skilled sailor. That was from FDR. Poignant, because this is not a smooth sea at this point in time in the Iowa football complex. So I quote tweeted, and I said, with another quote, I I found a quote that I thought was maybe apropos. But all the love in the world won't save a sinking ship. You have to either bail or jump overboard. That's from Sarah Dessen. You may ask who Sarah Dessen. I don't know, but I thought it fit. He apparently didn't like that because now Lockdown Iowa is a block from following, following Tyler Barnes. You know, that goes to another thing, though. We talked about David Eicholt and the questions that he uh, that he posed and talking about the limitations of this offense and how awful it's been this year. And then Kirk responded with the, well, we won 10 games last year. You didn't know that. It just awful, awful look. And then I heard, and I haven't seen this for myself. In fact, I'm going to talk to David later in the week on my radio show, but that 
a few of the coaches either blocked him or unfollowed him on Twitter. I mean, come on. The, the pettiness there, it's a bad look. It's a bad look. I know you're circling the wagons. It's us against the world. You're trying all these things, but come on. It's a beat writer. It's a guy that asked a good question. It's a guy that asked a fair question, and you're going to do that. God. Pettiness. It's not a good look over in Iowa City with that football coaching staff. It is not going well right now. Thought that one was interesting. We're going to wrap up with some basketball talk. So let's get into it here. And, uh, in fact, there was a question uh, in the questions that we had for the mailbag. Let's get into that right now. That From Jim uh, Henrik, who said, can Sanford average 12 points a game? Absolutely. I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. And, you know, seeing Sanford, I called a lot of his games in high school. I probably, I don't know, threw – his three, four years at the varsity level, I would guess I saw 12, 15 uh, called those games for him. So really had a good feel for his game. And he was a guy that, though he's tall, wasn't a great athlete, but he could always shoot it. Now, the Waukee team that he played in was also absolutely loaded, certainly even for the 4A level in the state of Iowa with the D1 talent that they had on the floor with them. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. From Tucker DeVries to Omaha Blue to his younger brother, Price, who will be a future Hawkeye, they had just so many weapons on that team. And there are times that he disappeared. But you know he had the great shooting stroke, and that certainly showed up. This Iowa team, though, they're going to be built a little bit differently this year, but he has such a green light. Fran, always, if you can shoot it, he's going to give you an opportunity. I think he's going to be right there. In fact, next week, I think, maybe it'll be later in this week. Uh, they're all kind of running together. But here in the next week or two, we're going to uh, come up. Something that I love to do. Maybe it's an exercise in futility. I'm sure the guys in Halo will make fun of me. I love trying to figure out the breakdown of minutes. In the course of a basketball game, you got 200 minutes, right? Five positions, 40 minutes in a game. You got 200 minutes to play around with. And just say in a standard Big Ten game, how those minutes will break down for each of the individual players. So we're going to do that, something that's a, at least a fun exercise. And I think gives you kind of a, a better view of the way that the rotation can break down, what it's going to look like, those kind of things. And, and we'll continue with that. One other cool thing I thought from Big Ten Basketball Media Days is Brad Underwood was asked, asked you know, who do you take with you in a fight? In a street fight, who do you want? And he said Connor McCaffrey. And that is something that shows Connor the limitations that he has. Until a couple of games late in the season last year, not a great shooter. But the intangibles that he brings, the toughness that he brings, and that's something this Iowa basketball team, they sorely need. They need that tough guy. They need big brother. And that's what Connor absolutely is. And they're going to need it again this season. Yeah, are there frustrating moments? Absolutely. But I think you're going to see a more well-rounded basketball player this year in Connor McCaffrey. I think you're going to see a guy that can do so many things. He can guard you know, so many different positions. He can mix it up inside. You're going small. If he has to, he can play power forward at times. And he's doing it at an undersized level. Think of what he did defensively at times last year, too. I mean, giving up six, seven inches at time and giving up 30, 40 pounds to some big guys inside. And he just battled his ass off. I respect Connor McCaffrey. Are there moments of frustration? Absolutely are. But overall, he is a guy that can do so many great things and so many good things for this Iowa basketball team. I'm excited for this year. I think they're going to be at minimum a tournament team. I think they got a chance to be back in the top six of the Big Ten again this season. The poll came out. They were number seven. I think that's fair to put them right there. Overall, going to be a lot of fun Iowa basketball. And looking forward to talking about that because after watching this Iowa football offense, I'm excited to watch some good offense on the other side. Now, the defense, <laughs> well, that will be 
another question. Thanks to all you out there for all your great questions today. Obviously, I was on a bye this week with Ohio State looming a week from Saturday. But, hey, you want to get ready for the big games. Of course, Michigan-Penn State going on this week. You can check out Locked on Big Ten with Nate Dickinson taking around the Big Ten slate each and every day for 30 minutes. Make Locked on Big Ten your second listen each and every day. Thanks for hitting that subscribe button. Thanks for being with us. This has been the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Back at it tomorrow. Biz will stop by. We will talk about a lot of different things. I know Stat Boy is working hard as well. That's how it'll come your way as we continue. Coming up tomorrow on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Go Hawks!